We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel, joined, as always, each week by Mr. Matt Miller from ESPN. Matt, I'm excited to talk with you every week, but this week it seemed especially special considering what we saw the Chiefs do yesterday in signing uh, former San Francisco 49ers defensive end Charles Amenahu, who also happens to be a Texas Longhorn. And since you happen to be a fan of both of those teams, you seem like the perfect person to get uh, to get some thoughts on the Chiefs' newest edge rusher. Yeah, I texted him last night and told him to stop following me. Going from Texas to the 49ers and out of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm excited, not just because I've known Charles for a long time, you know, since he was uh, a young player at Texas, but also, you know, have a fall in his career. I think it's it's a good ma- match for what Kansas City needs. You know, Frank Clark has obviously been let go. I think one thing you and I have talked about is getting – Bigger, longer players on the defensive line has been something that Steve Spagnuolo's wanted to do. This fits, and and also the versatility. Amenahu has played defensive end in a three four. He's played defensive end in a four three. The Niners had him bump inside on rushdowns a lot last year, so that he and Nick Bosa could go side by side. And I know people are going to look at the stats, and they're not overly impressive. But when you look at snap count versus you know pass rush production, I think it's really really promising. And you know, to me, he's a starter. He's a starter at defensive end. And so I think with Karloff to send a mini Hugh at end, obviously you have the great Chris Jones on the inside. We'll see what that other defensive tackle spot looks like. But now you've got a lot of versatility up front because we know Jones can slide outside and have success there as well. So I love that. I love being able to throw out personnel packages where nobody has a clue what you're bringing. And, and I think now you have two guys up front that definitely give you that look. Yeah, we talked about it last night. We did a little breaking news live show and we talked about it. And I just, you put Chris Jones and Amenahu inside in a passing situation uh that's something to get excited about for a move that didn't cost a lot of money we went into a little bit of um there maybe the reasons why he was still available and wasn't as coveted with some of the off the field stuff that happened about a month ago matt uh but the one stat on the field that jumped out to me um was actually a tweet from kate isha from kyle posey um been doing this a long time he put out 
that edge rushers in the NFL last year who had a higher win percentage than Omenahu as a pass rusher were Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Zadarius Smith, and Trey Hendrickson. That's the list. And Omenahu is top 15 in total pressures, and he's just 25 years old right now, turns 26 in August. There's a ton of upside uh, with this move for a player on a two-year deal, did not cost a ton of money um, at 25, 26 years old. Yeah, and I, I think you you know, like you guys did last night, you can speak to the off field stuff. I've been told that will be cleared up any day now. Uh, it's actually yeah. supposed to be cleared up this week. Um, but I also think the on field, you know, you're not making this signing unless you're comfortable with it. Uh, we've talked about that with prospects this year, whether it be Jalen Carter or other players, that you have to know your locker room and you have to know the player you're bringing into it. Obviously, you have to know the person you're bringing into that that situation. I think Andy Reid and Brett Beach have shown a willingness to. I don't even feel like this is a situation where you're rolling the dice. They, they've shown a willingness to, you know, vet those situations and see what will and won't work. Uh, they've gotten rid of, of very talented players because they felt like their their time in the locker room had come to an end. So I'm excited about this. I know a lot of the conversation locally will be about the off field. My stance on that is just to let that stuff take care of itself. It's not what I'm, I'm not a lawyer. It's not what I do. I don't evaluate that stuff, but on the field, I think it's a really, really good signing. Not just again, not just because I know the guy because of Texas, but because he he does fit what this defense needs. Like you said, good luck on third down when you have Jones and Amenahu on the inside. That's going to be a problem for everybody. Yeah, I, we're talking about the off-field stuff. It's tough, and you and I have, have talked about this over the years, just with different players. That you know, there's so much vetting and so much you know looking into these situations, particularly with the Chiefs. Um, that I know yeah. from personal experience that they're going to do their due diligence and, you know, it may take a while for the rest of the, the story or the rest of the information to come out, things to get cleared up. And sometimes it never fully gets cleared up publicly, uh, but the team is comfortable with the player they're bringing into the locker room, the player they're bringing into uh, the community uh, here in Kansas City. So, um, yeah, again, not to, to gloss over it, but, you know, you know, they do uh, their work on that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. again, on the field, um, Brett Veach got to be pretty happy because going into the offseason, you know, we talked about offensive tackle being a need, edge rusher being a need, and they've already fixed both of those with versatile players that are young, that are athletic, uh, that seems to be the mold that they're going with. And it's obviously been working uh, for Brett Veach, that right. company. But, um, you know, last thing, I want to get your grade on the Amenahu pick before we kind of pivot to some of these draft guys, because uh, I'm excited to talk about the three guys and get your thoughts on the three guys that we talked, uh, three of the edge rushers that we talked two out at the East West Shrine Bowl, but I want to grade on this deal and then just kind of a, a ceiling of what you think Omenahu at his absolute best could become, um, you know, for the Chiefs over the next couple of years. Yeah, BJ, I, when I look at a grade for me, it's not just about the salary or the, you know, who's the player, but also like their replacement value. Picking number 31 in the draft, you're not finding a player this talented right away. And maybe there will be guys who can get to that level. But there's not anyone who who can do what what a mini who can do right out of the gate. I also think like we've talked about the body style, the body type is really unique. There are not players in this draft class that really fit what he's able to do or what he brings to the table. So I would give it a B plus. I, I do think that he came in under where the expectation was at the you know end of the season, the way he was playing in November and December. I think you would have thought. And I know there were people who definitely thought he was going to get closer to 12 to 15 per. So I think the numbers are really favorable for Kansas City. And I also think, you know, in Houston, he was playing at 3-4 defense. He was playing really out of position. We saw what he could become once he was traded to San Francisco. You mentioned the 
the production. So I, I think it's realistic to say, I know we haven't seen Frank Clark do this in the regular season. I think it's realistic to say he's an eight to 10 sack player, but it's somebody that's going to get you, you know, in the twenties in terms of pressures and hurries. And, you know, as it relates to the draft and, and I agree with you, um, that's kind of the ceiling of the kind of area. Um, I thought we talked about last night, you know, who's second on the chiefs in sacks. Uh, this year is one of the blind nail questions we had on outside the trenches last night. Uh, but, you know, I want to pivot and talk a little bit about the draft before we get to these uh, three interviews with the three prospects we talked to again out at the East West Shrine Bowl. Matt, let's talk draft overall, because one of the, the beauties of this, and it's similar to what they did with Jawan Taylor on the offensive side, is that they still have a need at tackle. If, if you want to bring in competition for Lucas Niang. Um, who seems to be, depending upon where Juwan Taylor goes, if Lucas Niang plays well, earns the right tackle spot, Juwan Taylor goes over the left side. They've got some different things that they can do, but they're still not pigeonholed. If there's a tackle they really like in the draft, they could still draft one. Same thing now with defensive end and edge rusher, right? Is that right. who with the with the price tag that he got and with the the roster construction, the way that it's currently set up, they could still, if there's a player they really like in the draft at 31 or you know move up a little bit, uh, to grab an edge rusher, they could still do that, and it doesn't kind of over leverage or um, waste resources mm-hmm. in any one area, which is the beauty to me of both of those deals and both of the signings with Juwan Taylor and Charles Amenehu. But as it relates to the draft and players that could be around the end of the first round, um, who do you see that that could fall? I guess um, to where the Chiefs again are they don't expect a Trent McDuffie to be there like they did last year, and they didn't right. probably expect George Karloftis to fall to them where they did, but um, how do you kind of see the the draft, especially at that top um, with that maybe first or second pick um, mid, you know, second round into the first round? Yeah, I think your dream scenario is that Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee, falls to 31 and you draft him and you you say, all right, we're done. We got we got our guys. I don't think that's, that's highly realistic right now. He said such a good pre-draft process. So I think to your point, right now, let's just say they stay at 31. There's really only one position you can't draft, and that's quarterback. Because even wide receiver, I know there's a lot of talk about, oh, Kadarius Tony is going to be wide receiver one, and Sky Moore is going to be wide receiver two. And that's where you hope things land. Yeah. But you're not in a position where you can't draft a wide receiver at 31. You know, you're not in a position where you can't draft a, another corner at 31 if you like the players who are there. So I think that's where this roster construction is fun right now because you haven't backed yourself into any corners. And I, I mean, obviously you're not going to draft a guard or center uh, at 31 either. Or a running back. They're, they're right. four set Never again. <laughs> Never again going to happen. My point was, there's not a lot of areas that you can't go because the way the roster is built right now. I mean, even tight end because of Travis Kelsey's age, it's not out of the question. So I think dream scenario, Darnell Wright falls. Realistic scenario, maybe Dewan Jones from Ohio State, who is a massive right tackle. It's funny because he's, he's built a lot like Orlando Brown. I think he's a little bit quicker. Uh, in terms of you know foot foot speed and and agility, so maybe a little more suited for what this offense is. I I never thought Orlando was a good fit here, so I, I think that this both those players would be better true fits. But I look at the board as being wide open. Like if you know if Zay Flowers is there, I know we've talked a lot about him before. If Zay Flowers is there, draft his ass. Like you're not at a spot where you can't have. Or if Quentin Johnston's there, you don't have any six four receivers to run a four four. So they're really on a good spot, BJ, to just best player available, which is what a Super Bowl team should do. You know, the, the team y'all played, the shedding good players on defense like like clothes in, in the summer, man. I mean, they're losing defenders left to right to a point where 
they have some clearly defined needs that they'll have to draft. Same with the Buffalo Bills, same with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think yeah. with the Chiefs right now, a needless team is a great place to be. Yeah, especially when you're defending Super Bowl champion, to your point. And the Bengals losing right. both their starting safeties. Um, Bills yeah. losing pieces. Tremaine Edmonds. It looks like Jordan Poyer is moving on. There's yeah. The rest of the AFC is taking shape. And the Chiefs, we talked about on the show last night, that can you imagine if the Chiefs hit the draft this year like they did last year again, and they get four, you imagine five quality, productive, valuable players year one. Um, yeah. They're going to have half That's their roster. The dynasty. That's yeah. where that word really starts to, you know, you start to look at, we're already post Tyreek, which I was a doubter that this, that it would last. You know, it was like, okay, how does this team evolve? I did not think it would take three months for that to happen. I thought it would be a longer <laughs> transition. So now you're looking at, and Travis Telsey's a, a day one Hall of Famer, first ballot, one of the yeah. greatest ever played position. Now you're starting to look at, okay, he's 33. Even if we have three more really, really good years, which I hope happen, what is this offense? Where do we where do we start to take it? You know, and that's what that's why I can't wait. I know they have like 12 picks, 11 picks. Yeah. They're not going to use all those, so it's yeah. going to be it'll be fun to see what Veach and and his crew decide to put together. Yeah, you know they're going to be moving around in the draft, and I. You know, it's a good, we talked about it during the year, you know, the fourth most snaps played by rookies last year on the Super Bowl championship team is just something that's kind of unheard of. You go back and I did this, you know, after, I think it was after Patrick Mahomes' first year that he won MVP back in 2018, uh, went back and looked and they started talking about, you know, could this end up being a dynasty and just like what sets up a dynasty? If you go back and look, and I have it in front of me, but go back and look at the Patriots. Everybody talks about Gronkowski yeah. and Tom Brady. You go back and look at the drafts that they had the two or three years before they won those Super Bowls. They weren't always star players, but those guys were productive starters who were on the yeah, field. Good players. At the top of the yeah. draft, good, solid players. Very similar to what the Chiefs did in the draft last year. So again, you hit on that again with the amount of cap space and how smart they've been with their money. And then you've got, again, half of your starters on rookie deals uh, getting production for a team that's as successful, obviously, as the Chiefs have been. It just... It's special, man. It's a it's a beautiful time to be a Chiefs fan, and the Jawan Taylor signing, the Charles Amenehu signing, just seem to continue on what we've seen from this team uh, and making smart moves for young, versatile, athletic players uh, that fit really well into the system and what they're trying to do. So uh, that is beautiful, and we are going to now kind of pivot and start talking a little bit about uh, some edge rushers available in this draft. And we're going to do that right after the break, but we do have interviews with Eastern Michigan's Jose Ramirez, Ferris State's Caleb Murphy. And Matt, looking at his stats, I had to double-check Caleb Murphy's stats to make sure I was <laughs> right. looking at the correct thing. They are yep. video game numbers uh, from the Division II player, but uh, we've also got Stephen F. Austin's B.J. Thompson, speaking of athletic freaks. Uh, so we'll be right back with those interviews right after this quick break. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Folks, i got to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Athletic Greens. I've been taking AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, and I gave it a try because I wanted to get that better gut health. I wanted to uh, have the sustained energy. you got to support the immune system, especially this time of the year. And I hated taking all those pills and vitamins to actually get all those supplements, and it tastes great as well. I take it in the morning before I start my day, before I make that cup of coffee, and it makes me feel ready to take on everything that we've got going on here at KCSN. And you know, all great athletes take care of their body, 
I'm not the same kind of athlete as Patrick Mahomes, but I still like to take care of my body. And that's when uh, I've been going to AG1. That's why I'm a huge fan. You get all that nutrition in just one little cup. It's it's a great, it's great for long-term gut health support as well. With 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplemental routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. That's athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by ESPN's Matt Miller, breaking down, obviously, the Charles and Minahu signing we just did in the first segment. But now, Matt, uh, we can talk a little bit about these three edge rushers. Um, probably day three guys in the draft, maybe day two for uh, this first guy. He could sneak up there. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Uh, let's start with Eastern Michigan's Jose Ramirez. Again, we're going to throw to the interview that we did at the East-West Shrine Bowl here in just a couple minutes, Matt. But Jose Ramirez, 6'2", 242 pounds. The first thing that jumps out to me is just the size. You've got to have a plan for him. But when you watch him on tape, yeah. what stands out to you about Jose Ramirez? I mean, the size is, like you said, it's the first thing that jumps out. I think it shows up oftentimes in in a you know, inability against the run. Uh, it's probably got to, I love, you know, you got to add some sand in the pants. Got to be a little bit stronger at the point of attack to be an every down player. But I think he, you know, it, positively what jumps out is just a relentless pursuit. And I think that led to a ton of production. He had almost 19 sacks the last two years. He had over 31 hurries in that same amount of time. So he's proven that he can flush the quarterback. He can get into the backfield, make things happen. He's got a good, I think just easy movement ability. You can tell he's a natural athlete with really, really good first step quickness. It's just like you said, he's 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 not going to get much bigger. So it's about adding, I think, power in the run game. is where he's, he's got to become better if he's going to be a three down player but uh i think as a day three pick like you said there's just natural pass rush tools and quickness that, that pop all over his tape yeah he's probably a perfect example and i haven't spent a ton of time a ton of time studying him uh, that's why we bring on experts like yourself to talk about this but i do know from talking with coaches over the years uh and scouts that you know a lot of times people that study and evaluate prospects in the NFL draft like yourself. And I know we've talked about this. So many people on the outside are talking about what a player can't do and what how they can't fit. 
Whereas defensive yeah. coaches and scouts look, what's the best trait that this guy what can do and how can, what can he do? Because you have to be obviously the best of the best at what you do. And if there's a trait that you have, whether it's a relentless pass rush and you watch it on his highlights and we'll get to it uh, when you watch the interview, you can see flashes of an ability that a defensive line coach, an edge rushing coach, somebody is going to watch that and be like, I could find a role for this guy. Even if it's a third yeah. down pass rushing specialist a couple years from now. Uh, bring him into the system, have him be on a practice squad or, you know, be one of those, you know, inactive guys, whatever it is, there's some traits there that you can use that you can develop that could be a positive thing for your team or for your defense uh, down the road, not necessarily focusing on a player can't do. No, you're absolutely right. I think, and that's, I always try to start my notes with what can, what can you do? What are, you know, three positives? And for Ramirez, it would be, I mean, first step quickness, loose hips and he seems to have a plan you know with counters and you know how to set things up over the course of a game so there's there's enough there to work with absolutely where you know Mike Dana was a guy coming out that was super raw and was not good against the run and you thought okay what's our plan what's our three to four year plan to get this player onto the, the depth chart where he can impact the game even if it's 15 or 20 snaps a game now we're starting to see some of that so I think Ramirez Whereas not as athletic as Daniel was coming out, it's a similar type of plan, I think. Yeah, and if you, again, we talked about this last night, but if you're listening to this and you haven't yet watched or listened to uh, our interview at the NFL Scouting Combine with Chiefs defensive line coach Joe Colon, I would invite you or at, tell you, go listen to that interview because he talks about Mike Dana and Mike Dana being one of his favorite players. The way that he talks about him, I think he said something to the effect of, if I had a you know, a room full of Mike Dana is like, I'd be a very happy football coach with not just the production, the stuff that we see, but the stuff that we don't see that put him in a position with his work ethic, um, all the different the study time, all those different things that encapsulate, um, you know, players, you know, off the field intangibles is a reason why he's having the success that he's had. And I joked with Joe Colton that he was the best free agent pickup uh, last year for the Chiefs because he got the best out of a lot of guys in there. But, uh, Again, here is our interview with Eastern Michigan's Jose Ramirez. He was the 2022 MAC Defensive Player of the Year. All right, we're hanging out with Eastern Michigan defensive end Jose Ramirez. Jose, thanks for spending some time with us, man. Thank y'all, man. Thank so, y'all. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about your uh, you and football. Like, what got you into football? Uh, how what was that? What's that story? Well, shoot, I never played football. I used to watch the highlights when everybody getting hit. I'm like, man, I can never play football. <laughs> but, you know, being from Florida and all my brothers, they I had uh, four, I met three older brothers and they all play football. And I just, and then I want to be better than them. I remember when I was playing, they said I was trash and all that. So <laughs> I just put in my goal and be better than them. So I just let a competitive, competitiveness of it and just trying to be better than everybody. So what is it about football that you just, that you love? I just love the competitive nature of it. Like at the end of the day, I know it's a team game, but I got to beat that person in front of me. And me being an edge rusher, I know I can help my team out by, I can change the game by going in a script sack and I go for a touchdown. So being able to change the game, be able to just, just beat somebody, just have fun, just winning. So. So throughout your time and your journey through football, has there been anybody that's inspired you? Anybody that's been a big piece of, of why you are, who you are to this day as a football player? Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, it's gonna start with my family foremost, especially my mom. But like, uh, my mom, she's a hard worker. She she taught me how to do. It. I remember in JUCO, I had three jobs, and everybody was like, "Oh, Jose, man, you you working too hard to do this and that." And I was just like, at the end of the day, my mom then did it all the time to provide for us. So for me, it didn't seem hard and this and that. So that pushed me through that that part of my uh, process of my football life. And then just like 
like having like people in my life, like my my coaches, like even especially at Eastern, like my coach uh, Coach Needham and Coach Crane, just building my faith and things like that. Nature just made me love football that much more. The opportunities I never, I wouldn't be here. I want to be out of Florida. I would have been in the same neighborhood mm. if I never got this opportunity. So it's a blessing. You said you worked three jobs during community or during JUCO. Yeah, yeah. What were those three jobs? Oh shoot! Well, I used to. Well, first I had a dishwashing job. I go wash dishes. And after that, I had a, I work at Harbor Freights at the uh, factory. And I used to, they knew I played football. So they always made me get the, the smallest boxes away the most. So they always made me go there. I'd be breaking my back just, <laughs> but I, I always looked at it like, oh, it's a workout. Let me, yeah. this is my workout for the day. This, I'm going to do this, then go work out of the weight room. So I always looked at the workouts, try to get a, you know, good feel about it. Now it's not just work. After that, I wake, uh, I had something in the morning. I had a, a flip job and sign for an RV uh, store. I used to just flip a sign on the side of the street, just. Trying to make some money, cause in uh, Cali, you go, you got to pay through. So I was just so you, working them jobs. Yeah, so, cardboard sign. You were just yeah. I was the one. I was. I mean, I tried to learn some tricks, and then <laughs> I tried to be funny and try to learn the trick where you throw it behind your back, and then it almost went in a row. So I'm like, let me stop. Yeah. Playing. I, just, <laughs> I just went back to regular, just holding it, man. I was doing too much. So I was gonna ask what the best trick you had was. So you just you just had to go back to holding it and wiggling it around. Yeah, cause I was swing around, try to make people laugh, cause it was a you know they'll be turning right and they'll see me. They just try to make somebody smile that day or something like that. And I almost dropped it in the street, and I was almost got ran over. I'm like, dang, I gotta stop playing. So uh-huh. you, you said, all right, so a, a typical day for you during JUCO, just out of curiosity, what did it look like with all those jobs? Well, I had I had that one job while I was playing uh, my first semester. And then I had my second job I had to come because I owed $5,000. So I had to, and I had to find, and the school started in February. So I had to find out how to make $5,000 before then. Mm. So I just had to, I tried to apply as many jobs as I could. And I got them three. So I had to work all day, every day. I mean, and then to work out, try to, I'll get done at that. At uh, that night job, I'll get done around like six or seven, and I try to hurry up and get a workout in and take like a two-hour nap, and then had to go to the other job in the morning, mm. flip signs. But and days, it's, it's my dream, so it was really like nothing. Like ah, damn, I feel like, it's gonna be days where I feel down, but in the day, I know like in the day, it's an ending goal, so I feel good about it. And so you go through all that, and after JUCO, you end up getting the transfer to Eastern Michigan. What was that like for you? So what was that process like, and then what did that feel like emotionally for you? I mean, it was a blessing. I remember when Coach Crane offered me, uh, they called, I mean, they told me I, I got an offer. I'm like, man, I don't even need to go on no visit, man. I said, I'm good, man, and all that. But they told me, come on a visit. And I just, ever since then, I just always look back and just like, see how God put me through all these situations in life, through me, through football. And anytime I got a hard day or day, I probably don't want to go as hard. I just remember that, remember my family, remember my mom, just remember my why. So it just pushed me harder to play this sport, so. Jose, who do you model your game after? Model my game? Well, it's a couple y'all model my game after. So I like uh first of all, I like, you know, Max. I used to watch his film all the time. And being a DN, I trans I moved to DN in JUCO. So being going to Eastern Michigan, I had to learn like just really the the what being a true DN was and just watching Max even now, just seeing the passion of the game, how hard he goes. You, you can see that he loves football, just looking on the field, you know. So I try to model my game after him, Club Matt, because I feel like he likes to bully people and do what he wants. And I, I feel like I just like that mindset of just going on the field knowing I just want to dominate the person in front of me and just help my team win. And then Von Miller, because he's just a so slippery guy and just like he does what he wants. You don't ever know what he's about to do. So just them three people. And then I know I can't be exactly like Max or do this or be like Von Miller, but getting them traits from all them players and trying to put it in through me, just with my game, it just is going, I know my game is going to elevate because of that. So what's your mentality when you step out onto the field? What's going through your mind? What are you trying? Just how's your mentality when you get out there on the field? I mean, I, I mean, especially this past year, I just feel like 
I put so much into it and I put so much preparation. So my first thought is like, I should, nobody should win. Nobody should be on this field with me, competing with me. So it, when it comes to one rep losing, let's say like it's a three yard, uh, 10 yard gain or something like that, I feel like it was to my side, that's my fault. I didn't watch enough film. I didn't practice hard enough. I didn't put the hours in in January when nobody was. So it shouldn't, it should never happen. So I feel like that's my mentality. What do you want an opposing coach to say about you after they've gotten done playing you? Uh, I was the hardest player he ever, he ever played against. So that's my mentality. Like just going in the game, I, I mean, I, I want the the next coach to watch that film and be like, he's going to be a problem. And that mess up his old offense where he had a spread offense. Now he has to bring a tight end and run it back to block me. So that takes off the pressure off my corners and off my guys. So that's my plan every week, just to make make it hard for that coach and make it hard for the next coach. What's your go-to or your favorite pass rush move? My favorite, uh, I like I like the I like stabbing. I like the stab the stab club, one of them. But I feel like it changed week to week, just going off who you know who I'm playing, how how they shoot. If they shoot their hands early, I might want to dip under them. If they open up their chest and strike late and try to hug me, I'll probably just strike their chest. So it changed week to week. But, but I know like that strike is, is always going to get them leaning. If, and if the strike don't work all the way to the quarterback taking, I can always club off and get so edge. You're, let's come to, you're coming out of your defensive huddle. You're getting lined up. What are you looking for out of the offense or as the play starts, you know, that whole from the process of the huddle to the end of the play and you're trying to execute your stab club. What are you looking for from the tackle, from the play and all that? How, what's going through your mind? Uh, for, I mean, from we to we, you know, just watching and looking for tendencies, like whether the back, if he's on the other side, or is it... Is it split? Is it is the is the tight end? If it's tight end on and gun weak, is it stretched this way? So looking at the formation first off, and then looking at the tendencies of the of the lineman I'm going against. If it's foot back, or it might be pass. If it's this or that, if the just little things like that. If the and I know uh, like Francis, like we when we play Kent State, every time the running back was lined up with the quarterback, and the quarterback line uh, his right leg was back, it was always a a pass or a cheat look for us. So. Just knowing that it helps me get off the ball faster, react better. So just all them preparation for the game just makes the playing chess with them, make the game slow down the game for me. Let's talk a little bit about draft day. Uh, it's draft weekend, and where are you gonna be? What are the emotions that you're gonna feel uh, when you're finally drafted? I mean, sure. I can't. I can't tell you exactly because you know I've been waiting this moment for like you know a long time. You know, it's things that we dreamed of. Just this process right here, dreamed of like talking to y'all about my game, the stuff like that. But I'm gonna be at home, man, with my family, and just you know, hoping whatever team get picks me is, is gonna be a great story. So, and I'm, I don't know how I'm gonna feel, but I know I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna feel joy and like excitement. Just last question here for me here for you. There's no right or wrong answer. Game winning sack, you know, sack, strip, fumble, whatever it wants to be. You just won the game. Do you want to be at home in front of your home crowd and the fans are going crazy? Or do you want to be on the road against your biggest rival and the place just has to go completely silent because you just won the game? Mm, I'm away. I'm away. I'm, away. I'm, I'm making them be quiet. I'm, you know, at home, I want to, I want my fans to feel that. But I feel like even if you're at home and if, if you're a fan and you're not at the game, you're going to feel good regardless. Like, but being at their crowd and just making them feel, I love away games, man. I love them because now you're making another team feel what you, which, you know, feel, feel like, shoot, they lost everything. So that's the goal. That's Eastern Michigan pass rusher Jose Ramirez. All right, Matt, what stood out to you about the interview? For me, it was the the three jobs in JUCO and paying his own way. Right. That whole deal. That kind of five grand on the spot. Yeah, there's there's a lot to love about the the story with Jose Ramirez. And let's let's put a bow on that before we talk a little bit. We spent about a minute here talking about some breaking news that came out as I know we're not doing the show live, but it came out as we're recording. I want to react to it. I'm trying to keep my yeah. emotions together right now, but let's 
the button up. What stood out to you about the Jose Ramirez interview? I, I think the tape study, you know, to point out what his opponents, you know, the running back, the way his feet were as a tell. I think that's like, like you and I talk about all the time. You could be the biggest, strongest, fastest guy, but football is such a mental game as well. And I think that's a, that's an interview as like an NFL D-line coach. I want to hear that No, All right, this guy does his homework. He's, he's going through his tape preparation, and he's also incredibly coachable. So uh, that's a good one. You guys got to send that to all 32 teams for Ramirez and, and help him out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about one of the players. We are just talking about Joe Cullen, talk about helping a player out. Um, by the time the show comes out, it'll be news that everybody had been talking about. But Colin Saunders, as we're recording, just got reported that he signed a three-year, $14.5 million deal with the New Orleans Saints. Matt, this one stings. He's one of my favorite players to cover uh, my entire time uh, around the Chiefs, covering from the Senior Bowl with uh, um, you know the his wife, girlfriend going into labor uh, while he yeah. was down there and down there. I, I remember covering that. I remember talking to him about that. I remember talking to him the night that he was drafted. Uh, about 10 minutes after he got off the phone with them, I was talking to him live, FaceTime, doing an interview. Uh, just a, the exact kind of person that you want to cover, that you love covering in the NFL, that you root for. Glad he got some money. I'm glad that uh, he's able to set his family up um, for you know how hard he worked and, and what he's been through and just the way that he took care of everybody. But, but uh, yeah. I'm kind of going through it right now, man, because this, this one stings a little bit. I, I love the dude. Um, I'm happy for him, but I'm going to miss seeing him in a Chiefs uniform. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs are going to miss him as a player. You know, not just the personality, which is infectious, and the, you know, the the sense of humor he brings to the locker room, but the athleticism. I mean, I don't have to remind you guys that in the Super Bowl, he was the only player to technically sack Jalen Hurts, and it was a great yeah. play where he's chasing him to the sideline, and you're thinking, how in the world is this defensive tackle running down Jalen Hurts? But he did, and so I think you're also going to miss that, that interior production you know we were just talking before this news broke about how the Chiefs need those guys that can play 15 20 snaps as a pass rusher and that was something that he did really well so it's getting a little bit of defensive tackle BJ I always start to think about that because so much of my job yes. is, is team building and roster construction and it's like okay <laughs> who's who's gonna replace those snaps I know Tershawn Wharton you know got got yeah. tendered he's obviously gonna be in line for a much much bigger role you know, but this is a spot now where there's there's a, a need here, and I don't know if it's a need at 31. Like we talked about, this is not a great defensive tackle class um, at the top, but I, I think that's where they're going to have to use some of these, you know, 11 or 12 draft picks to try to get a guy that can come in and at least be in the rotation early. Yeah, and this is the situation the Chiefs are going to find themselves in with a lot of different young players they bring in, they draft in the what third round, uh, they develop them. They get really good and they can't pay everybody. Um, you got to trust the organization to make decisions that they think are best for them. doesn't mean that it doesn't suck at times. Uh, this is one of those times for me that it just sucks because um, I selfishly love watching a game again in the Chiefs uniform. But coming off the best year of his career, again, 48 tackles last year, three and a half sacks uh, during the regular season. And then you mentioned uh, you know, this uh, chasing Jalen Hurts out of bounds. I mean, that is exactly from a roster or excuse me from a draft evaluation yeah. standpoint when you talked about his athleticism coming out of western illinois you talked about having some unique traits um that guy for the way that he moved um the way that he moves you saw it on that sack and that is right you know, there aren't many d tackles making that play bj like aaron donald chris jones and just terms of in terms of pure athleticism there aren't many dudes making that play yeah it's uh Special to watch, rooting for him. 
Uh, I'll be down there with Honey Badger, a couple guys that I absolutely loved covering. So uh should be thinking for the Saints. And He's still there. Daniel Sorensen. Yeah. And Tano Passigno, I believe, re-signed right. down there. So they've got Kansas uh, City South. Yeah, I got a handful of guys uh down there that have familiar faces, but uh but yeah, it's gonna be you know fun to root for him and, and kind of follow his career throughout. But yeah, this one definitely stings. But uh we're gonna move forward here and talk a little bit about the next two guys and throw to those interviews right after this quick break, and then we'll be here uh throwing to the interview with Ferris State. Uh, Caleb Murphy. Fun player to watch, Matt. We'll be right back after this. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm PJ Kissel, hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller. We've talked Charles Amenehu, talked Jose Ramirez, got his interview from Eastern Michigan, just uh, talked about the news that came out while we were recording with Colin Saunders signing with the New Orleans Saints. And Matt, now it's time to pivot back to the draft a little bit and a couple more of these defensive end edge rushers. And then this next guy, Ferris State's Caleb Murphy. Uh, he was the 2022 Ted. Ted Hendricks award winner is the best defensive end in college football, Matt. And when you look at his stats from last, just last year alone, I had to double take because I thought that it was a typo. I thought it was a mistake. I didn't think video game numbers like this actually happened with players um, in college football. No, you're right. I mean, 40 sacks the last two years, uh, 60 tackles for a loss the last two years. I mean, it's one of those, even if there were career numbers, they would be really good. So you can't even like, oh, those are career numbers. No, it's it's crazy. And I think, I mean, you guys were at East West. I've only seen uh, film of the practices. It seems like he got a little washed down there. So I think that's the, the thing now is we have East West, we have combine numbers, which weren't, weren't bad. They were, he had a pretty good combine workout, actually. It's trying to find out, okay, how do we unlock that just absolutely dominant production that we saw at Ferris State? How do we get that to the next level? And I think, you know, motor is absolutely there. It has to be to have 40 sacks in two years. Um, and first step quickness is there. I think he's just got to get a little bit stronger. And that's, man, that's so often the case with smaller school guys who, you know, have not had the benefits of a strength and conditioning or cafeteria program like they have at the big schools is a lot of times you're looking at them of, okay, we got to put some good muscle on you and some good size on you. And then what, what can you be? You know, you hear about frame was being filled out. Is this not? I think there's a lot of room to grow here, but he's got hand play. That's good. He's got a motor that's all day hot and he's got a good enough first step that I think he can, he can be a guy that produces in the NFL as a, a third or fourth pass rusher. Yeah. He's six, three, two fifty four. And again, you mentioned his numbers of the last two years, just as a senior last year, 25 and a half sacks and 39 tackles for loss. Crazy just for last season so let's throw to that interview now again this is ferris state's caleb murphy our interview with him out at the east west shrine bowl football is my life man i've played football since i was seven years old i looked at my older brothers playing i was like i want to do that uh and then you know i fell in love with it you know i've wanted to play in the nfl since i was seven years old so it's everything that i've set my life up for uh everything that i do it for you know so uh man if if i'm not playing football i don't know what i'm doing is there anybody in your life that's kind of inspired you or influenced you to go down this path 
my mom uh my mom's a she's a gritty person you know she did a lot of stuff for us uh she uh she raised four boys and got her bachelor's degree uh yeah so you know that's really impressive to me yeah, like yeah. you know not a lot of people can do that so right. you know uh just seeing her and like you know seeing how she moves around in life and continues to prosper and move forward you know so for me to be able to you know uh follow in her footsteps is really nice so do you have like a coach or maybe you know a mentor or something like that that's really kind of helped improve your game or taking you to the next level tesla smith uh ryan hodges uh Little Tony and niece, not not big Tony, but big Tony too. Um, but yeah, my defensive coaches over at, you know, Ferris Day were awesome, man. Yeah. Like they they spent a lot of time with me. Uh, you know, I'd sit in the room with them when they're like, you know, making game plans and we just sit there, talk football, you know, how I can get better, how they can, you know, help me and things like that. So it was really good. What's your mentality? You're stepping onto the football field for the first time for this game. What is what's going through your head? What's your mentality as a player? Let's play ball. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I do. This is what they do. You know, we're here to have fun and, uh, you know, up our draft stock, obviously, of course, you know, but if you're just doing what you typically do, you know, and you're not stressing yourself out about, you know, those guys being here, you know, you're going to be fine, you know, so uh, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm playing ball, man. You know, I'm a man just like anybody else. I know that's a big thing for me being here. You know, I got to prove that. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to get bullied around ever. You know, I'm a man. You know, like I said, I see those guys as men too. You know, I respect them as they should respect me. What's your process like throughout the week? You know, your your school's gonna have your practices and all set up, but what's your pro what's Caleb's process getting ready for a game? You know, you don't have to walk me through every single step, but what do you go through from you know throughout the week and then up until the game starts? Yeah, I'm a film junkie. Uh like I said, I'll go when the coaches are doing game plans and I'll sit there with them. But anytime I get to watch film with them, I do. Um other than that, like, you know, we left throughout the week. Uh um, you know, I spend a lot of time with my dog, you know, me and my dog, uh, I'll sit there, lay with her, watch film, you know, those type of things. Um, after that, you know, it's, uh, it's really time to play. Like, you know, uh, after you watch so much film, you know, go to practice, you know, working with the guys, communicating with the guys at meetings in the mornings, you know, those type of things, uh, walk through, you know, game time is typically one o'clock for us. So we love one o'clock games because then after, you know, we can watch the film, you know, get together, watch the film. And then after that, you know have a little fun with each other, you know, hang out, you know, do that. Do you have a favorite pass rush move? I like to mix it up. Yeah. I don't like, I like to make people guess, you know, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I, like I want to, like I'll, I'll do a couple moves that might be the same, but I promise it won't be like that the whole game. Like you might think, oh, he's only doing one or two. No, I'm coming with something else, but I want you to get comfortable with that. You know, so trying to make them get comfortable with something and then continue to work other things. So can you, can you walk me through that process just for, you know, you don't have to pick a specific, specific play, but you break the defensive huddle, you're getting lined up. What are you looking for out of the offense, out of the tackle guard, wherever you're going to be rushing from and how you're going to go about trying to set up, you know, some kind of move from there? So either I want to go speed first or I want to go power first. You know, power can set up, you know, stab clubs, uh, those type of things. Speed can set up power moves, you know, so speed to power or speed to back inside, you know, those type of things, getting them to overset me, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at, are they are they heavy on their feet? Are they leaning hard? Um, how are they out their stance? You know what I'm saying? Are they, are they tall? You know, are they giving me their chest already? You know, are their arms long? Uh, you know, those type of things. I'm looking at that to see if they can reach me before I reach them. Um, are they shooting their hands early? You know, those type of things. So you beat the blocker, right? You beat the blocker, hands, whatever you're gonna go with, you get your hips turned, you now have that clear path. You know, you got a couple steps, clear path to the quarterback. What's going through your mind when you get to that point? Finish. 
finish the hard work you just did. Do not waste it. Like, you know, I missed two sacks this year, two sacks. And I was livid. I had five sacks against Lenore Ryan. I missed a sack. It would have been my sixth one. Literally just missed it. And then I missed one against, um, I think I want to say Davenport. I was very, I was not happy about it. What do you want an opposing coach to get up on the podium and say after a game? What, what do you want them to say about you that lets you know that you had a truly great game? He's a good ball player. That's it. That's all I need. I don't even need that, if anything. You know, uh, I trusted myself and my gameplay, you know, and I've gotten myself this far um, with the help of my family and friends and coaches, you know, of course. But, um, you know, I just, you know, if they said he's a good ball player, I would respect that more than anything. Or he's a good man. You know? Yeah. I respect that more than anything. So out on the field, do you, do you like to do a little bit of trash talking? Are you more of a quiet guy? I like to be loud with my teammates. I don't like to trash talk. I don't like to, you know, I get in your head by my play. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. Um, and if you're talking too much, you're going to get cooked at some point, in my opinion, you know. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I like to, you know, be loud with my teammates. I'll hype them up. They can hype me up. I'm a big dancer. I like to dance. I like to, like, you know, sing with my guys out there before games. But other than that, you know, I'm a quiet person. Like, you know, I just try to play ball. So go to dance move for a sack celebration. Ooh. Ah, uh, My first dance move celebration would probably be, I'd probably do like the Dougie or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably try and do that if I get one. So games on the line. You get a sack, strip sack, you win the game for your team, right? Do you want to be at home, home crowds going crazy celebrating with you guys, or do you want to be on the road against your biggest rival and it's just dead quiet in there because you just won the game? On the road? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the better one right there. <laughs> Gotta be away. Yeah, love it. All right, final one we got for you here. It's draft day. See your phone light up. You know, they, you got an NFL team calling you. It's making your dream come true. What emotions are you going through? Who's with you? Who you hugging? What's that experience like for you? I'm a crybaby. I will be crying. I will be crying. Um, and I'll be holding my mom. You know, my family will be there. You know, so that'd be nice. Family and friends. You know, so be able to do that with them. Um, some teammates. I'll make sure some teammates. I want my teammates to be there. So you know, uh, it's gonna be fun. So that's the interview with Ferris State's Caleb Murphy, Matt. Thing that stands out to me for a guy with 25, have 25 and a half sacks to remember the ones that he missed very vividly. Right. Uh, it stands out. You can tell you can tell it means something to him. I couldn't believe that he was like, I had 25 sacks last year, but I missed these two. And I'm I'm mad about it. Like I'm livid, I think he said. That stood out to me. I also love the absolute certainty with which he said he would want to close out a game on the road and just silence that crowd. I am the exact same way. Every time I hear the guys ask the question, I always think. Gotta do it on the road. Gotta like that. There's nothing colder than doing that on the road. So I, I absolutely love that answer. Yeah, it, it's my favorite question to ask during draft season because you ask it to both sides of the ball and you always learn a little something uh, from the guys. And it always seems the guys with an edge, the guys that, you know, do you, are you more motivated by your supporters or by your doubters? I think a lot of, there's a lot of uh, similarities with the answers uh, on those where the guys who are motivated by the doubters would rather go on the road and shut everybody up. Uh, whereas, you know, the guys that are motivated by their supporters and the uh, the people around, you know, positive vibes around them uh, being more, you know, wanting to be at home. But uh, again, that was Ferris State's Caleb Murphy. Now let's transition to last one. It's Stephen F. Austin's BJ Thompson. Uh, Matt, six foot five, 238 pounds, started his career um, at Baylor uh, with that crew. Um, athletic is the the thing that jumps out when you talk to anybody 
uh, about BJ Thompson, uh, four, five, six, 40 yard dash with a 40 inch vertical. Uh, that stands out for a guy who's six, five, again, 238 pounds. Yeah. He's got to get bigger. Right. But you know, Leonard Floyd was about that size coming out of Georgia and he has been a really, really good player throughout his NFL career. So I look at the length is automatically great. That's an A plus. And also uh, watch him on tape. You know, he sets up his moves really well. You can tell that it's a coordinated attack when he goes after a left tackle or a right tackle. So that's something I like about his game is he is athletic, but he's not just an athlete. It's not just finding, you know, production because he's long and fast, but it's actually his moves, his hand uses. So yeah, he's got to get stronger. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I do think there's there's a role for a player like this. Again, we're talking about day three picks, not expected and excuse me, them to do a ton as a rookie. I think he's a good candidate to get on the practice squad and eat and lift as much as he can for the next year. Yeah, he 20 and a half sacks over the last three seasons at Stephen F. Austin. And then uh, not a huge surprise, but he's on Bruce Feldman's, uh, you know, freaks list where he comes out with the most athletic players, the different positions uh, in college football. So here's our interview with Stephen F. Austin's B.J. Thompson out at the East West Shrine Bowl. Thanks for sitting down with us. We really appreciate the time. So the first we're going to start just, what is, how did you get started in football, right? Like, how did you get to this point of your career? Um, well, I come from a small town, you know, um, not really much to do. So pretty much everyone in my hometown of England, Arkansas, just like to play sports, you know, yeah. whether it be, you know, start off on the peewee league or just going outside playing in the fields or on the street. So how did you get just, what, what was it about football that drew you in versus any other sport? Um, actually, basketball was my first love, um, um, but I also love the competitive nature of football, you know, just going out there and just being able to hit, you know, just unleash all your <laughs> anger or whatever, whatever you may be going through, you know, football is a sport unlike any other. So what was that transition? What, what made you kind of switch from basketball to football made you realize, hey, maybe football is the spot for me? Um, because like I said, I'm, you know, kind of tall, athletic, and there's a million guys like, like me trying to play basketball, you know, uh, I feel like my skill set is, you know, kind of rare for football, you know, I feel like I can really make some money for myself at rushing the passer. Yeah, so obviously you had to learn technique, rushing the passer, everything like that. Did you have a certain coach that kind of helped you along or maybe a certain point in time where all of a sudden it started to click and you realized, hey, this is what I need to do as a pass rusher? Uh, not really until I got to college. Um, like I said, I come from a small school, so, you know, most of the time growing up, I just relied on my athletic ability, you know, just kind of went out there on instinct and, you know, just did what I did. Yeah. So is there a game from your college career that you would direct someone to go watch that hasn't seen you play yet at this point in time? Uh, yes, I'd say the Sam Houston game. Um, that's kind of a rivalry between my school and their schools that's, um, you know, been going on for a whole lot of years. And I think I um, kind of displayed my abilities pretty much on that game. So what was it about that game that you think you really did well? Was it pass rushing, run D? Like what about that game really sticks out for you? Um, pass rushing, definitely. But I just think uh, just being like effective in the game, you know, just um, causing a lot of havoc, you know, just leaving my stamp on that game. You know, I if you watch that tape, you can see that I try to do everything I can to, you know, get my team to win. So you're obviously a very long, tall, big guy. What is something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Because we've seen it out on the practice field as we've been out here this week. You're not just, you know, people think of guys like you, maybe they think a little bit of a stiffness or something like that. Your athletic ability really shows through. What is it that you like to hit or uh, offensive tackle with in the game that maybe they're not expecting from a guy of your size? Um, 
just a little bit of everything, you know. I feel like, you know, as me being a taller guy, people wouldn't expect me to be able to bend and get as low as I can able as I'm able to do. So, you know, just being in that corner and just reaching all the way down, like, you know, touching grass when I'm getting past them. I don't think they you really expect a guy as tall as me to get down that low. So what let's just say what's your go to pass rush move? I know everybody's gonna be a little different based on the tackle you're facing, but what's your favorite pass rush move to go to? I always uh, go out with speed, 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 speed. That's my go-to for sure. So when you're doing that, what are you looking for from a tackle to let you know that you are going to have that advantage and be able to pull off the speed rush around the arc? Uh, first, um, you know, kind of a run past Tennessee, you know, and if I line up and I see that, you know, he gives me an indicator that it may be passed or if it's third down, I know it's passed. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, throughout the game, I'm kind of, you know, getting the snap count down. So by the time I'm able to actually rush the pass, I got the snap count down. And I'm able to beat him with that speed. So I'd ask you a very specific question here. I've seen you throw out some of the most crisp spin moves during these practices that I've seen. <laughs> where did that come from? How do you work on that a lot, or where did the where did that come from? That counter? Um, just you know, working on it, trying to perfect my craft. You know, um, everybody knows I'm trying to beat him with speed. You know, tackle's probably gonna you know start get that down, so they're gonna start kicking more, kicking back farther, and everything. So I gotta have a counter ready for that. So what's going through your head? You come off of that spin. You got this inside move. You've got the lane to the quarterback. You see that he's going to be holding the ball. It's not coming out quick. What's going through your head as you're going through there and you know you've got a sack lined up? Man, I'm like, oh, I, I can't blow this. I can't blow it. I can't blow it. You know, I can't get juked out of my shoes or anything. You know, I got I got to at least get him on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're in this position. You make this sack, right? Let's even say it's a sack, strip sack. It falls down. You win the game for your team. At home, in front of the home crowd, they're going crazy. You said uh, Sam Houston's big rival. At home, your fans are going crazy for that. Or on the road in their house, and they have to go quiet. Um, probably at home, most definitely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there's nothing like you know hearing the home fans and you know fans and family all being around and you know enjoying celebrate with you. So you come off the field, you've had a big game. What do you want to hear the opposing coach be saying about you on the podium that makes you feel like you've had a really good game? Um, I just want to hear him say, you know. We tried our best, you know, but, but there wasn't really much we can do. You know, we couldn't handle them. Um, I feel like I've heard that a couple of times in my career, and that's the ultimate sign of respect. Okay, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, is it just a couple more questions here. The first one's kind of a funny one here. We've heard this rumor. We talked a little bit about it before we started. You you went to Baylor to, to start your college career, and you had a little dunk contest with the basketball team, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a dunk contest at the halftime of the basketball game. So how'd that go? Why didn't you tell the people how that went for you? Um, So, you know, we did, I think, two rounds or whatnot. Um, first round, um, we started out with, I think, four people. Um, I did a two-hand windmill. Um, so, you know, they got me into the second round. And um, I had the last dunk of the second round, so I was like, man, I got to go out with a bang. I got to do something, you know, to, you know, blow everybody away. So I lined up two people, and I ended up dunking over those two people. Two people. Two people. Two people. One was two hands, two people. Two, two hands over two people. Yeah. I just had to think outside the box. You know, I wanted to go out with a boom. You know, I, I really wanted to win, so I figured that might get me to win. And you did, right? You won that. Yeah, I got the win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, So, okay, real question here. We fast forward in this draft process, right? It's a long process. You're going through all this. You get that phone call on draft night, pick up, team says, you know, they're selecting you right then. What's going through your mind? What are those emotions that you're feeling? Oh, uh, um, you know, just a sense of pride and, you know, that I actually made it. You know, um, like I said, I come from a small town. Uh, not too many people uh, make it out of that situation, uh, especially where I'm from. So uh, just to be able to make it and, you know, feel accomplished and doing something and living out my dreams, um, it would mean the world for me. Who's going to be there with you? Kind of, really, who's the first person you're hugging when this happens? Uh, my grandma, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, and uh, good luck the rest of this weekend. Yes, sir. I really appreciate y'all. I appreciate you having me.
All right, that was Stephen F. Austin's B.J. Thompson winning a dunk contest, Matt. That's uh, something that I don't <laughs> normally see from uh, your edge rushers. No, but that's something you like to see, right? Uh, you lose one hyper-athletic interior offensive lineman. Maybe you're looking at a developmental outside lineman who can who can throw down some three sixties. So, no, that's great. And that's what you want, right? I think it's weird how much that translates. That's why we study things like vertical jump, three cone. Be a great basketball player. Uh, as your guy Patrick Mahomes is as well, it carries over. So um, as a scout, I always love hearing those nuggets. Like, hey, did you play basketball? Did you wrestle? Like those are things that actually yeah. translate pretty well. So uh, really good interview and a, a fun player. I'm, I'll be excited to see, probably not in 23, but in 24, what type of player he's starting to become. Yeah. Good stuff. Enjoyed those interviews out at the East West Shrine Bowl. Again, that was Eastern Michigan's Jose Ramirez, Ferris State's Caleb Murphy, and Stephen F. Austin's B.J. Thompson. Again, off the top of the show, we talked about the Charles Amenahu news, broke down some Colin Saunders. Uh, should be another busy day, busy week for Chiefs fans we get through free agency. Now the free agency officially begins uh, later today. We'll have you covered here at KC Sports Network. We appreciate everybody for listening, hanging out. Make sure to follow us, like, and subscribe for watching on YouTube. Uh, if it's your first time watching, go look around at the rest of the stuff that we got here on the channel uh, and follow us and hit that subscribe if you like what you see. We appreciate everybody's support, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform KC Sports Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.